the following message entitled, Becoming Who You Are, Part 6 of the series, Christ Above All, was given by Bob Mundorf on the 16th of September, 2012, at Sovereign Grace Church of Indiana, Pennsylvania. To learn more about our church, please visit sgcindianapa.org. If you could turn in your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3, and in a moment we're going to read verses 1 through 17 of Colossians chapter 3. But before we read that, I want to tell you what I think is a really fitting story that just really helps me to understand the meaning of this passage. It doesn't have anything to do with what we're going to read, but it's a, it's a fitting illustration. And it's actually a children's story um, about an eagle. And so if there are any kids in, in the room, you're going to love this. Um, there was a baby eagle, I guess you call that an eaglet, who was in his nest in the cliffs of the rocks, and one day, the winds blew, and it knocked him out of his nest. And as he fell, he couldn't fly yet, so he, he kind of glided and fluttered down and ended up landing in the middle of a, a chicken farm. And he, he landed there at such a young age that he just grew up believing that he was a chicken. He, he, just, he was out doing whatever it is chickens do. I don't know, some of you have chickens, and I'm not sure what they do. They just kind of walk around and peck. So he was out doing that one day and he looked up and he saw the most beautiful thing he'd ever seen flying over. He saw a a mature bald eagle flying over in the sky. And he said, wow, that is just awesome. And about the same time, this eagle looks down and he sees sees this eagle in a chicken farm. He's thinking, "What, what on earth is he doing? So he flew down and he landed on the fence post and he said, what are you, what are you doing? And the young eagle said, I, what do you mean, what am I doing? This is, this is who I am. I'm a chicken. He said, you're not a chicken. And he, he went down and he grabbed him with his talons and he flew high up into the sky and he let him go. And as the young eagle was falling, he explained to him who he really was. And he told him, put your wings out. And he, he taught him what to do. And when the young eagle put his wings out, he began to fly. And he, that's when he first began to realize I'm not a chicken. I'm not a chicken. I'm an eagle. And so, I think it's a fitting illustration of what God wants to show us in His Word today. And as we read verses 1 through 17, we're going to see that that because God has given us a a new identity in Jesus Christ, He calls us to change the way we think about ourselves and the way we act. So let's read that together. And let's just pray and ask God for His help before we read. Lord, thank You for the opportunity to preach Your Word. And I I pray that You would help me, Lord. I want to declare my dependence on You, Lord. I I can do nothing apart from You, Jesus. And um, I pray that You'd help me to preach Your Word clearly this morning. And Lord, I pray that You would just help everyone here this morning and encourage us, Lord. Help us to understand who we are in Christ and because of You working within us, Holy Spirit, what this means for our lives. I pray that You would just make, make wonderful changes, make wonderful fruit in our lives as a result of Your Word this morning. In Jesus' name, Amen. Well, if you're at Colossians 3, we're going to read verses 1-17. through 17. It says, If then 
If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its Creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Well, I've entitled this message, Become Who You Are. I think that's what this passage is calling us to do as Christians today to become who we are. And the first major truth that we need to get today out of this passage, before we get into any of the do's and don'ts that he mentioned, we need to get this. God has changed our identity. And that's, that's point one. Our identity has been changed. So if you've been here over the last several weeks, we've been in a series through the book of Colossians, And we've learned some major truths about Jesus, about who Jesus is and what He's done for us. And, for example, in chapter 2, we learned that when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, God made us alive. God made us alive. And Paul starts this passage out in the same way. Do you see how he starts it out? If, then... You have been raised with Christ. You have been raised. If you have been raised, that's a, that's a passive verb. That's not something that you or I did. That's something that God has done to us. If you have been raised. And we don't want to miss this. This, this first point is so important that our identity has been changed, that God has acted in us and on us and we have been changed. We have been raised with Christ. Listen, if we, if we miss this first point, if we skip over this, and I just start to tell you, do this, don't do that, 
it's, it's going to be worthless. It's going to be nothing more than legalism. But because God has worked in us, we can do the things He's calling us to do. And that's what we're going to see. This is, this is like the root. If then you have been raised with Christ. All this stuff that came before. God made you alive in Christ. That's the Gospel. And that's the root of everything that, that the, the Bible is going to call us to do or don't do today. All the do and don't do, that's the fruit. Do you see how, why this is so important? We need the root or we're just taping fruit onto a dead tree. And so Paul is speaking to those of us who have been raised with Christ, who have been made alive, who have been given new spiritual life. Jesus called this being born again. Being born again. So if, if you're a Christian, if you have been raised with Christ, then, then, this is for you. And I just want to insert here, if you're not a Christian, if you haven't been raised with Christ, if you don't know what I'm talking about, this means you just trust in Jesus. You just trust in Jesus to take away your sins. He died to forgive us from the penalty, the penalty of our sins. You're, you're an object of God's wrath right now and you're subject to eternity in hell if you haven't trusted in Jesus. But you can do that right now. And if you do trust in Jesus, then this applies to you. And the rest of this message is going to really encourage you today. So, look in verse 3. In verse 3 he says, For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ. When I, when I first read that, I, I was a bit confused because I'm alive, I'm standing here, I'm reading this, but it says you have died. What does he mean, you have died? Well, what he means is, you've died to your former way of life if you're a Christian. If you've been raised with Christ, if you've trusted in Jesus, you have died to whoever it was you were before you trusted in Jesus. You've died to your former way of life. The Bible says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old, the old is gone. The new has come. And so we have this new identity and our identity is Jesus. Our identity is Jesus. And that's why he says in verse 4, when Christ, who is your life, that's why we, we sang this morning, all I have is Christ. Jesus is my life. Jesus is our new identity now. We're not going to hit it this morning, but in verse 10 he says, there's not barbarian, Scythian, slave, free. And he's naming all these kinds of people. He says, but Christ is all. In, in all. If, if you're a Christian, Christ is your new identity. Jesus is your new identity. And listen, it, it doesn't matter what your reputation was before you became a Christian. You might have been, you might have been someone who liked to get drunk, known as a, a drunkard. You might have been uh, a money lover, a greedy person. You might have been a sex addict. You might have been you know, any of these evil desires that we read about might have defined you. But here's the awesome thing. That no longer defines you. Those are no longer you anymore. You are now in Christ and Christ is in you. That's what I love about this passage. That's what's going to help you to live a new life in Jesus. 
Paul tells the Corinthian Christians this same thing in chapter 6, verses 9 through 11, when he says, Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Then he says this, And such were some of you. And such were some of you. Whatever the reputation is that you have in mind, that you are, if it fits into these, these things, if you trusted in Jesus, that's no longer you. And such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. So, Jesus is our new identity. That's the first point that Paul really wants us to get. And there are, there are massive benefits that come out of this that come out of our being a new creation and born again. We're going to hit some of those today, but just to name a few. Having a new identity means that you are no longer a slave to sin. Not only do those things not identify you anymore, but you, you no longer have to give in to those temptations anymore. You're no longer a slave to anger. You're no longer a slave to lust. You're no longer a slave to any of those evil desires that still rear their ugly heads within you. And we're going to talk about that. We're still tempted, but we don't have to obey those temptations anymore because of what Jesus did for us. Having a new identity also means that we are no longer citizens of this world. We have a new citizenship, and the Bible says that our citizenship is in heaven. Because we're united with Christ, because Jesus Christ is our identity, our citizenship is in heaven. And we belong to Jesus Christ. And we're just sojourners here on this earth. We're just we're aliens here. We're just passing through. We're living our life out here on this earth. But we're, we're to set our minds on things above. And that's what Paul tells us. What do we do with this? What, so what do we do with this fact that we're, we're just aliens here? We're, we're no longer citizens? He tells us, he says... Seek the things that are above. Set our minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. So, the first thing we need to do is we need to change the way we think. That's setting our minds on things above. That's having a mindset of things above, of Jesus, and all the wonderful truths and benefits that come from Jesus. We need to change our perspective. We need to change our mindset. And we can do that. Every one of us who is a Christian can do that. And the way we do that, well, let me ask you, where, where do you think we find the things that are above? Where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. How do we know what we know about Jesus? We know everything we know about Jesus and all His wonderful truths and benefits from what we read in the Bible. This, this is the only way that we know anything about Jesus. And the Bible is like our telescope to set our minds and set our eyes on the things above. We look in the Bible, and every one of us can
can do this. So, I want to encourage you guys. I want to, I'm, I'm so encouraged by this. We should be in our Bibles. We should be reading the Bible to learn about Jesus and learn about these wonderful truths that we're going to see today in our message. But because we have a new way of thinking, God calls us to a new way of acting, of behaving. And a pastor named J.C. Ryle once said that our thoughts are the parents of our words and deeds. The way we think really has an effect on the things we say and, and the way we behave at work, at school, with our family. And so, God first, that's, that's that first point that I mentioned about changing the way we think. The Bible calls that transforming our minds. Renewing our minds. And if you look in verse 10, in verse 10 He says, and have put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its Creator. We, we start by renewing our minds, but He doesn't stop there. God calls us also to align our actions with our new identity. So just like that, that old eagle had to explain to the younger eagle as he was falling who he was and what to do, God explains that to us in, our word, in, in His Word. And so, the way He does it, in verses 5 through 11, and this is point two, He tells us to stop being who we are not. And then we're going to see who we are. And we're going to learn how to become who we are. So let's look at verses 5 through 11 together. He says, Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked, see that? In these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its, with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image. So point two is stop being who you are not. Now, did you ever notice, many of you have probably noticed, that Christians aren't perfect at the point that they become saved, right? We don't stop sinning, do we? None of us have become perfect the moment we became a Christian. We still have cravings. We still have temptations. And that's going to be with us until Jesus comes back one day and delivers us from the very presence of sin. But Jesus, this is the point of this passage and many others in the Bible, Jesus has delivered us from the power of sin. We know, I remember as a newer Christian, I, I knew Jesus delivered me from the penalty of sin. I knew that if I trusted in Jesus, that I wouldn't go to hell. And that's, that's a wonderful truth, a glorious truth. But I didn't realize for many years that Jesus delivered me from the power of sin. See, I felt defeated 
with certain sins, and even in this list, I felt defeated. I felt like I would never get victory over these sins. I felt dominated by them. You see the problem with that? I felt, I felt, I felt. What I was doing was I was elevating my feelings and my experiences as a higher standard than God's Word. I was glossing over large portions of God's Word that give us these promises and these truths that we're to put faith in. And I was just basing everything on the way I felt. And I, I know that's common. And I, I know God wants to help you with that today. I know that many of you feel the way that I felt and can still feel at times just like a dark cloud is over you and this just defines you, this specific sin you're thinking of right now. But God says that we are no longer enslaved to sin. God says, consider yourself dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Sin will have no dominion over you. Amen. So what about, what about this, this, he says in verse 5, put to death therefore what is earthly in you. What is earthly in you? That means that there's something that's still in us. Something still in us that God calls us to put to death. See, I remember praying, God, deliver me from this sin. Just deliver me from this sin. And what I didn't realize, and maybe what many of you are just now realizing, is that God has delivered us from the power, but we still have temptations. He hasn't delivered us from the presence. And these temptations are are what is earthly in us, these cravings to sin. The best illustration that I know for this, just to help help us understand these cravings, what is earthly in us, is um, Mark had mentioned when he introduced me that, that I like rattlesnakes. And uh, how many of you have eaten rattlesnake meat? I didn't expect to see very many hands, I think two, two or three. Well, I'm known for my grilled rattler. And uh, one day I had invited my care group over, some friends over, and we had some grilled rattlesnake. And so I had to catch one, and I, um, I know where they live. So I, I took my tree pruners, and I went to the rattlesnake den, and I found one, he was a nice big meaty one, and I lopped off his head, didn't want his head around because that's where the venom is, right? So I lopped off his head and I grabbed him and I put him in a, a bag and took him home and the whole ride home he was squirming around and fidgeting and my grandfather always said, I remember him saying, you, a snake will not die till the sun goes down and I don't know, I'm not sure where that comes from, but this, this snake did not want to die. He was moving around and... Uh, you guys are probably thinking, what a redneck. And so, <laughs> I, uh, I used a little of my redneck ingenuity, and I, I stretched him out, and I clamped him to my porch rail, because I needed to skin him, I, I needed to skin him and, and clean him to cook him, and he wouldn't stop squirming, so I clamped him on there, and I, I was able to skin him and clean him out, and I was left with this, this, this rib cage covered with meat. It's, the snakes are all muscle. And he was strong, even after I skinned him. He was squirming around in the... <laughs> uh, it gets better. 
the crazy, the craziest thing was, as I'm carrying him to the grill where I had a pot of boiling water going, and I don't know why my wife wouldn't let me do this in the kitchen, so I was forced to do it outside. This snake was actually like cocking back and striking me on the, the other arm as I was carrying him with his little stub of a neck striking at me. I don't know how he knew to do that because his brain was gone. But he, he was striking at me. And then I go and I put him in the pot of boiling water and I put the lid on and whew, I was tired from wrestling with him and I turned to walk away and bang, off goes the lid. Out comes Mr. Dead Snake Carcass crawling across the ground, squirming all around. And I put him back in and it took a number of minutes until he actually stopped moving. I think I boiled most of the meat away because I, I wanted him to stop moving. But that, that, that crazy illustration gives us a picture of the, this, this thing that is still earthly in us. This remaining sin that's in us. See, Jesus, when He died on the cross and rose from the dead, Jesus lopped the head off of sin. He took the fangs out of it. He took the venom out of it. He took its power away. Now that, that snake was still really scary. It, it was scary and it was hard to, to kill. I guess it was dead, but it was, it was like it was still alive and it was hard to kill. And sin is, is scary and it's hard to kill, isn't it? That's, that's a, a great picture of what is earthly in us. But we have to remember that Jesus took both the penalty and the power of sin away when He died on the cross and rose from the dead. And just one, one more thought about this remaining sin, what is earthly in us. Back in verse 2, we read that we're, we're to set our minds on things above, not on things that are on the earth. And then he goes into verse 5 and he gives us this, this list of sins and he calls them earthly things. Okay, so look at the connection there. These sins are earthly things. Verse 2, don't set your mind on earthly things. Set your mind on things above. And I think many of you could be like I was when I was just feeling defeated. You could be focusing too much on these earthly things focusing too much on these sins and not focusing enough on Jesus Christ. That's going to help you to defeat these sins, to stop, stop thinking about how they define you and change your mindset and your thinking and look to Jesus and look at the promises in His Word because that's where you're going to get victory. Jesus said, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of Christ. And we defeat these sins by faith in what He did for us. That's why it's so important to remember what He did for us. And the best illustration I know of this is, do you remember when Peter was walking on the water? Do you remember that story? Peter was walking on the water. And what happened to Peter when he began to look at the wind and the waves? He began to sink right? But what happened to Peter when he looked at Jesus? He walked on the water. He was able to overcome when he looked at Jesus. Looking at Jesus 
looking at the wonderful truths that Jesus tells us in His Word, that's the way we're going to overcome these sins that we're struggling with. So look to Jesus. And point three, the third point, is the next passage, the next paragraph. And this passage tells us, become who you are in Christ. Become who you are in Christ. That's the third point. Before we read this, I used to watch um, the G.I. Joe cartoon when I was a kid. I don't know if any of you are... You probably have to be in your 30s to watch, have watched the old G.I. Joe cartoon. But um, at the end of every show, G.I. Joe would come on and give this public service announcement. Do you remember that? It was always this, this ridiculous thing about like not drinking poisonous drain cleaner or not touching downed power lines. He wanted to teach us that. And so after he would give us the little lesson, he would say, and now you know. And knowing is half the battle. And I never got it. I was always like, well, what is the other half of the battle? (laughs) But what G.I. Joe was doing is he was calling us to act. He was saying, now you know this truth, and now you need to act on it. So, so don't touch the down power lines. Don't drink the drain cleaner. And Paul is doing the same thing here in this message. He's telling us a truth that we can put our faith in, but now he's calling us to action. So let's read the call to action in verses 12 through 17. Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body. And be thankful. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. So here is our call to action. Here's our call to be who we are. And these are all really just wonderful characteristics of Jesus. And now that He is our new identity, these should be characteristics of Christians as well. That's why He's telling us to put this stuff on. So that last paragraph was, you know, what not to put on, what not to wear. And this is what we're to put on. This is fitting to our identity in Christ, isn't it? And you know, one thing that that God has has shown me just through struggling with trying not to do all those things in that last paragraph, is that the do's and the don'ts in the Bible really work together. You can be focused on not being angry, or not lusting, or not giving in to these evil desires so much that you forget about the do's. And God is telling us here, do these things. Put these things on. It's like, I think Mark mentioned a couple weeks ago, don't think of a pink elephant. I know all of you just thought of a pink elephant, right? But if you replace that thought with something else, it's a whole lot easier to not do that, right? So God wants us to do 
these things. And I want to encourage you to try to make this your intent. Not, not because it's a to-do list for the Christian life, but because this is who you now are. Make these your intent. So, I wish we had time to look at all of these. We don't. But these are fitting things for a Christian. Let's just look at a couple. Meekness. Do you respond in meekness when someone provokes you or slanders you or, or argues with you? Jesus did. And that's what we're to do. How about the next time your kids are going crazy and you're tired and you just want to relax? Or the next time your boss puts unreal demands on you, like Mark does with me every week? Uh, no, he doesn't. God calls us to be patient and kind. Patient and kind, like Jesus. We can do that now because He's done a work in us. How about this one? Do you have a complaint against someone? This is the really convicting one. Try this on for size. He says, forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. Forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. Next time you have a complaint, think about who, think about who you have a complaint against. Here's what you do. This is what Christians do. Is there strife between you and another Christian? Jesus says, put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Listen, if, there, if, if there's not harmony between you and someone else, it's because there's a lack of love. Jesus says, put on love. We have a number of, of exhortations in here to be thankful. If you're tempted to grumble and complain about your circumstances, be thankful. Mark has been a great example of this for me. He's always thankful. And we pray together as pastors, and I'm, I'm always convicted because I'm not near as thankful as these guys, but I want to be like that. And it's been helpful to be intentional about being thankful. So God wants us to be thankful. He, he says at the end, and finally, He says, whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. See, that means that we represent Jesus in this world. Yes, Jesus is our identity, but in a way, we are also His identity in this world. We represent Him to the people at work, to the people you go to school with, to your friends and family. And He tells us to do everything in word or deed in the name of Jesus. Everything. Because that's who we are now. So represent Him well. Finally, I know lists like this can be overwhelming. They, they can be overwhelming for me. It can feel like a huge to-do list for the Christian life. But listen, because God has done that work in you, you don't have to struggle and strive to be someone you're not. That's not what this is about. God is calling us to become who we are based on what He's done for us. So I want to encourage you to go out this week and, and, and look at these truths. Read this in your Bible. Read over this paragraph again. Get to know who you are and then become who you are. God will help you to do that. So in a nutshell, and if we could have the band come up while they're on their way, I just want to give you guys three, three concluding points that I think sum this up well. If we could have this projected. 
Here's what I believe this passage is telling us to do. One, realize who you have become in Jesus. Realize who you've become in Jesus. You do that by reading His Word and understanding what He's done for you. Point two, think like who you've become. Think like who you've become. You do that by letting His Word transform your mind. And point three, be who you've become. And we do that by praying, asking Him for help, and He will help us. So let's, let's pray and ask Him to do that now. Lord, thank You for Your Word. Thank You for Your powerful, powerful Word, Lord. And I, I pray that Your Word this morning will have such an effect on every heart that's here that fruit would come out of it. Lord, Your Word always accomplishes something. And I pray that it would accomplish very, very much in all of our lives here today, Lord. I pray specifically for, for people who feel defeated by their sins. Jesus, You said, You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. I pray they would be set free by this truth today. Thank You, Lord. In Jesus' name, Amen.